Is it high time the Autobots started thinking outside the box when it comes to defeating the Decepticons? We'll get into that this time on Energon Entries. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Energon Entries. As always, this is your host, Matt Freights, and I thank you for tuning in. I hope that this finds you well, and let's get into episode eight of Energon Entries. When last we spoke, we talked about Fire in the Sky, which introduced a new character in Skyfire, and I thought that it was actually very interesting in how they went about that. As we move on to episode eight called SOS Dinobots, there's a series of tremors that are near Autobot headquarters that leads Ironhide to scan the walls of Autobot headquarters. Now, this is due to the fact that Spike realizes that these tremors are actually the most powerful in Autobot headquarters. In doing so, the Autobots discover fossilized remains of dinosaurs. This triggers Spike to teach the Autobots about the dinosaurs and just how powerful they were during their time on Earth millions of years ago. Optimus Prime, in need of more muscle amongst the Autobot ranks, commissions Wheeljack and Ratchet to build three Dinobots. Using Teletran 1's design, the Autobots help to build Grimlock, Slag, and Sludge. The three Dinobots display their powers to the Autobots, and Optimus Prime is ultimately pleased. However, in building the Dinobots, the Autobots gave them primitive brains, thus the Dinobots became uncontrollable. After wrecking Autobot headquarters, including Teletran 1, the Dinobots are deactivated and imprisoned in the cave. Meanwhile, Megatron discovers the power being harnessed by the dam at Great Falls, and he leads the Decepticons in an assault of the dam. Due to Teletran being down, Hound discovers the assault and alerts Optimus Prime. Prime takes a team of Autobots to the dam, leaving Bumblebee behind to guard the base. In this attack, Megatron gets the best of Optimus Prime and the Autobots, as he usually does, and Optimus Prime is in need of help. Bumblebee and Ratchet and Wheeljack decide that they are going to take the Dinobots out of their cave and allow them to help Optimus Prime and crew. The Dinobots show up to the dam at Great Falls. They win the day by dominating the Decepticons and incapacitating Megatron. And at the end of the day, the Dinobots are kept around because Optimus Prime sees their potential. Now, one of the things that Wheeljack did in this episode is account for the fact that their primitive brains needed to be updated, and he built a mechanism to allow them to be a little bit smarter, although not that smart. So in the end, the Dinobots are now fully-fledged Autobots, and the Autobots once again win the day. My thoughts in this episode are, hey, again, new characters. And hey, dinosaurs. Who doesn't love dinosaurs? This is where Transformers kind of converges with another very popular thing among young people. And I'm talking about really young kids, and that's cars and dinosaurs. And so they're actually tapping into two different veins here. So how could you not win when it comes to the kids and the demographic that you're looking for? In theory, though, when you really think about it, the dinosaurs were probably on the Earth when the Autobots crashed in the first episode. We didn't see anything like that, and it took four million years for the Autobots to come back to life, but you'd think that Teletran 1 would have actually scanned them by then or maybe had some information, but hey, it is what it is, right? When you go to the dam, Reflector's voice is a little bit weird because it basically uses Starscream's voice when the three are just all speaking at once. This happens a lot in these episodes. It's an episode quirk that I talk about, an inconsistency quirk, and I would assume that Chris Latta, who voiced Starscream very famously, probably did a lot of other voices and Reflector was one of them. This comes down to a QC issue in post-production, I would assume, and for some reason the 
Starscream voice was actually added to Reflector. So the Dinobot scale is much larger than even the biggest of Autobots. And when you have the first run being Grimlock, Slag, and Sludge, they transform into their dinosaur form and they look huge. And at this point, this is the only thing that we know about the Dinobots is that they're huge and unfortunately they're stupid. The Autobots didn't seem to take into account how unintelligent dinosaurs were. Spike told them about that, that they were more brawn than brain, but Wheeljack and Ratchet didn't seem to take that into account and make them a little bit smarter than they would be. And Wheeljack and Ratchet didn't seem to take this into account. You'd think that as smart as they are, they would actually make the Dinobots smarter, more controllable, and therefore better warriors for the Autobots moving forward. Each Dinobot has a laser power that they display, and those things are going to come in handy. They all actually breathe some type of fire out of their mouths. I believe Grimlock does, Slag does, and so does Sludge. But they all have some type of a power, including their brute strength, that is going to come in handy. Now, the Autobots and Dinobots end up battling inside the base and cannot be controlled. And it's funny because after this battle takes place and the Dinobots have basically laid waste to all of Autobot headquarters, Optimus Prime decides that they can no longer function. And to me, this brings up an interesting debate about sentience. Because if you watch a lot of other science fiction-y type shows, the idea of sentience actually is very important. And many people would argue that once something has consciousness or sentience, then it deserves to live the life that it wants. And so once the Dinobots were created, Optimus Prime essentially created new living beings that needed to be treated as such. And even though they weren't controllable, this isn't really a Dinobot problem. It's really an Autobot problem. And so what he should be doing, in my opinion, is looking at Wheeljack and Ratchet and saying, how did you not make them smarter? What can we do to make them more up to date with current Autobot technology? How can they fit in better with the Autobots? It seems like Wheeljack and Ratchet were going almost too literal when they created the Dinobots. And so that was a big mistake that I thought was taken out on the Dinobots. I understand that they're dangerous in the fact that they're attacking their own people. You're taking friendly fire from something that is much more powerful than you. But at the end of the day, they deserve to live because they have been created. So I thought that was an interesting moral debate that kind of came up in this episode. I'm not sure how many kids are going to pick up on that. But as an adult now, I certainly pick up on it. We have another animation quirk as Braun is seen flying with the Decepticons to the dam. It's for a very, very short amount of time, but it's still very funny to me because Braun is one of the smallest Autobots and he's about the size of Megatron in this particular scene. It's just funny to see an Autobot hanging out or palling around with a Decepticon. This seems to happen pretty often in these animation quirks, but this one kind of caught my eye and made me laugh. The other thing that's always funny is the Decepticons find themselves a step ahead at just about every turn. Megatron is always ready for the Autobots, even though the Autobots come and take them by surprise somewhat. This is one thing I noticed about the Decepticons is they're always a step ahead, but they're always surprised when the Autobots show up, and that shouldn't be a thing. Megatron should be smart enough to know that and maybe have more Decepticons as guards to guard them for what they're doing. But every single time Megatron tries to steal energy from something, the Autobots show up, everybody seems surprised and sort of caught off guard that the Autobots are going to be there. The Autobots always show up. They're always going to try and stop them. So you'd think they'd be a little bit more prepared for that. The interesting part, too, is that with Teletran 1 inoperable, it makes it impossible for humans to call for help. So now the humans are completely useless against the Decepticons, even though a couple of episodes ago they tried to arm themselves against this fight for the Decepticons. So while Teletran 1 is super intelligent, 
but also has its quirks in basically not being able to know when a Decepticon is in their lair. It's very, very important to the fact that humans are not able to communicate whenever something goes wrong. So this is a big communication piece for the Autobots, and it seems like whenever Teletran is down, the Autobots are at a severe disadvantage and are going to rely more on troops on the ground to actually get things done. This also reintroduces Hound and Spike again as friends. We haven't seen this in a while. It seemed like they were switching over to Bumblebee, but Hound and Spike are now running around together. They're going on missions together, and it seems like they have a kind of camaraderie that they were trying to foster in the first couple of episodes of the show. They haven't interacted at all, basically, since the pilots. And this is an interesting turn of events because it seems like they're pivoting from what they're trying to do. They've gone from Hound to Bumblebee back to Hound, so I don't know if this is going to last, but it was just something that I noticed. What's really funny, and this is another animation quirk that I absolutely love, it actually made me laugh out loud. Rarely do I laugh out loud like this when watching a cartoon, but when the Autobots show up to the dam, Optimus Prime says, Autobots transform, and every single car transforms to robot form, except Blue Streak, who turns back into a car. It just was absolutely hilarious, and it would have been amazing had they actually tapped into this into the episode. Like, Optimus Prime looks over, Blue Streak, what are you doing? We're trying to fight here. Get back into robot mode. It was just something Something that's going to happen in the show, but I'd never seen it quite like this before because the very next cut is him as a robot. So this is kind of like a yay 80s animation moment. He transforms into a car and next scene, he's a robot. So it's almost like, did they find this mistake and somebody nudge him and say, hey, buddy, let's get back into robot form. We're going into battle. Megatron gets really smart by hooking up his fusion cannon to the dam's power source, which is a really smart idea. And his fusion cannon becomes basically overpowered at this point to the point that he's using it to incapacitate the Autobots during this battle. And this is why the Autobots are completely outnumbered. And when we go back to headquarters, Wheeljack finally makes actual brains for them. Now, what's interesting is he makes a new brain for them or some type of an adapter that goes on their brain to make them a little bit more intelligent. But they're still kind of stupid. And you'd think that they would actually be a little bit smarter. After seeing what happened in Autobot headquarters, you maybe would go the extra mile, but they don't. They make them just smart enough to be able to control them, and that's about it. Interesting wrinkle about the Dinobots is they can fly, and so apparently can Wheeljack. I'm not sure how far, but this is another inconsistency where the Autobots can fly sometimes. They drive everywhere. Can they fly? Do they have to drive? I'm not really sure, but I know that the Dinobots can fly because that seems to be consistent. And of course, Whenever Megatron gets hurt, Starscream never misses an opportunity to take over the Decepticons. And we see that here as Grimlock incapacitates him and Starscream starts celebrating as if that's the end. And this seems to be a common theme in the Transformers is that every faction, both Autobots and Decepticons, whenever the other has one little hiccup, oh, it's over. And Starscream is the new leader of the Decepticons. And we know that that's not going to be the case. Now, of course, at the end of this, the Dinobots save the day. Optimus Prime goes back in his creed that the Dinobots need to be destroyed and the Dinobots are able to live. So yay, sentience, they have proved their worth because they actually helped out the Autobots when they were in need. And so Optimus Prime now feels like he owes that to them, which is interesting. Overall, the Dinobots are amazing. So this episode is a real winner for me. You like to see how they're introduced, despite the fact that there are some inconsistencies in how they are introduced in the show. But you get a second episode in a row with new characters. That's always fun. They're dinosaurs. The Dinobots, Grimlock is one of the most beloved characters in Transformers lore. And so overall, it was a very fun experience, and I can't wait to see how they incorporate the Dinobots moving forward. What did you think of this episode? Get in touch with me. MattyIceMedia at gmail.com is the email to do that. There is no social media for this podcast. There may be one day, but right now, I'm not trying to break any new ground. I'm just having fun talking about a cartoon that I loved when I was a kid. I hope this finds you well. I hope this finds you safe. And I will talk to you next time. This is Energon Entries. 
The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Energon entries are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Energon Entries is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.